Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. I am Justin Michael, your host, doing my best, William Shatner, to predict the future of sales development. I have Scott Haney, who's over revenue operations at Chili Piper, which I like to call Chili Pied Piper, just because I'm a big Silicon Valley fan and I'm a power user of Chili Piper, so full disclosure. How's your day going? It's going good. Going good. Hanging out in, uh, this is actually a new office as well, so. Awesome. (laughs) Usually I'm downstairs in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's, that's the reality of our world. Well, I'm fascinated by this whole idea of revenue operations, which is somewhat of the confluence between marketing operations and sales operations. I've even heard people say, well, it's mops, sops, and rops. I'm like, clue me in here. These acronyms are getting crazy. What does that all mean? And what is the implication on sales development? Yes. So I think like the way, at least I like to think of revenue operations is primarily focused around sales marketing and CS, like in my role specifically as it relates to sales development, I think the biggest like component is if you have multiple people rolling up to you, then you can obviously do a little bit more than, it depends on like how big your company size is. But like in my shoes, I own all three of those components, sales marketing and CS. So from the sales development perspective, I like to think of it as basically just removing as much roadblocks as possible from the sales development team making it super simple to know, okay, here's our ideal customer profile and making it easy to provide the accounts for you. And then just in my experience, even like doing sales and having a sales team like roll up to us, everybody wants to put their own touch on different things or like go and prospect and pull people from different sources. So I mean, we use like a lot of various different tools, but the biggest thing is like removing the roadblocks and finding what's slowing them down and making it a little bit easier for their day to day. Is there any way to get these systems actually to talk to each other? (laughs) A little bit. Maybe we'll find it a little bit easier to do as tech tends to progress. (laughs) Let's get tactical, though. How do you do it? Do you have things like Zapier, Workado? How do you get the the data and the APIs to go together? Are you doing a lot of manual processes to link it? Yeah. I mean, I can get as technical as you want. Like um, the main way, I guess, starting from the top. So for our account sourcing, so we're kind of, I'd say we're a little bit fortunate because we have various we have multiple data partners so like the main primary way that we source our accounts is through datafox so with datafox we use them for like account scoring and tiering so we primarily sell into like mid-market enterprise accounts on salesforce so we'll go and throw down those filters if reps own those accounts they can go and subscribe to different uh, like alerts that maybe like there's key different trigger events that they pop in and then there's reason they'll reach out to them so on my side, like we'll go and source the accounts. And we also, we do give like the reps freedom to source accounts with DataFox, like in their territory, so they can get those alerts. Next on top of it, we use LeadIQ, just go and source and scrape different uh, contacts. And in my experience, 
if they're not using like you on type of sales on top of sales navigator inside of Salesforce, you got to make sure you're reaching out to the right people because a lot of times they you you might go and import a big list of contacts and they don't even work there, which is the biggest waste of time as a sales development rep. <laughs> so go in there, making it simple to go and pull in your personas, lead IQ, and then we throw them into sales loft sequences. On our side, uh, over time, we built out a lot of various different sales loft cadences for the team. So most of the time we'll go and clone them. So we have like a whole bunch of mix of different ones just for like gifts, close loss ones, depending on like the product that we're selling to them as well. Cause we have like four different products. And then once they go and execute on the cadences, they'll do calls, emails, social touch points, all that's all like logged in. And then for us, the way like we just basically section it off is SCRs are responsible up until the meeting's held. And then we use our own tool for scheduling the meetings and distributing them across the AE team. And yeah, I mean, we use other various tools for like deduplication. I use a tool called Duplicate Check as well and found that to be super helpful because just helps keep everything really clean when everybody's going and pulling in accounts. What kind of tech's exciting to you right now? You've, you've obviously seen all of it. I mean, you're a cutting edge piece of the stack for calendaring. Chili Piper, for those who haven't tried it, it's in the vein of a Calendly. And we definitely want to hear about your tech and learnings around calendaring because it's a big problem, right? Show rate. It's a huge thing. I want to hear what tech you're excited about and why. And then I would love some tips for XDRs listening on improving show rates. Obviously yeah. by Chili Pepper, Chili Piper, <laughs> but other than plugging, <laughs> plugging software on the show really did enable them no matter what they're using. I'm sure there's some enablement that you could provide for them. Yeah. So like as far as like the tools that I'm most interested in seeing develop one, for, like when I, so for example, when I first started over at Marketo and we were pretty early on outreach customers. So I got experience using outreach and sales loft and I've basically been able to admin both of them and, and use a lot of them. Those are like for sure two of the biggest ones. I like, am definitely excited to continue doing that aren't our own. <laughs> now, of course, if it were to be our own, like the inbound process, I think that's like the next evolution of the like, I'd say the reframing of inbounds where everybody's using like obviously marketing automation tools at this point, but making like filling in the little gaps that they don't really solve for, which is sort of like our tool will help out on the actual website and it, com- it combines the scheduling and routing and meetings component of it as well. So that's even how I got really into Chili Piper. I, I personally like saw it to be like a lot more forward ahead of its time because there's really no other tool that really does exactly what we do. Otherwise, I think like the intent data side of things as well is really helpful just for like going and knowing who's in the market for your uh, your product to go and sell into. What kind of intent data have you used? And before you go into that, how do you improve show rates outside of a technology solution that maybe approaches this through the UI, UX and the alerts and the reminders? Everyone has a secret sauce, but what are some general tips or what do you look for in a platform to fix show rate? What I mean by this is everyone knows once you even book the meeting, which is hard enough, you made you know hundreds of phone calls and some thousands of emails, you finally get your meeting, something on the order of like, you know, three out of 10 typically just don't show up. They're late, they're busy, right? We're all at home, but you know, their hair's on fire. What are some of the best tips that you have to fix that? Yeah, so we've tested out like a good handful of different things. And even myself, like as an SDR, I tried to figure out like what channels would like work best. Now, like starting from the very initial piece, like booking the meeting, if you're on the phone with somebody, like make sure you confirm that they've got the calendar invite once you book and hand off the meeting. (laughs) That's a common step one. Um, Now, if they come inbound to you, they might schedule a meeting with you after going back over emails or on the website. What we do here, and we found just a good way to like engage people before the meeting 
is we'll shoot them. It's sort of like, I guess you could kind of call it like a pre-qualification like template. It's basically just to kind of gauge what they're trying to accomplish with us and what tools they're using. So we know what to cover in the demo and like understanding what they're interested in. So then you're at least engaging them as opposed to them just scheduling it and getting busy and distracted and being like, well, maybe I don't want to make time for this. That's been a really important one. And then from the reminder piece of it, for sure, like making sure you call them the day of the meeting and also making sure to know and look at the calendar invites and see, okay, if they've accepted or declined the meeting. Generally, if they don't accept the calendar invite, there's a very, very high likelihood that they're probably not going to be attending. So either you should have some type of automation to send out an email to do that for you or make sure you get them, get them on the phone and give them a call. And then, of course, you can add other sequences of email reminders that go out as well. A couple I'll add is you can send a text the day of. Do that too, yeah. <laughs> do you have yeah. a reference? Is it the day before? Is it the day of? What does your data show? So the way we, like, what we found that works best for us is we do a day before if they haven't accepted the invite. And then we do an hour before the meeting invite. And then also a minute before just so it's, like, right in their inbox. So it's easy wow. to access as well. One I found is called the agenda trick of GCAL is basically you send the GCAL invite or, right, you could send it through Calendly or through Chile Piper. And uh, I'm just taking a an agnostic staff stance here, whatever your system is. You put an agenda, which is a generic agenda, and then you update it. Like you ask in the appointment, are these the steps? Would you like to a- ask it? And then... A week before, I think I got this from Brian Kreisberger. You're like, hey, our appointment's coming up. Well, what did you want to cover off on? So you then update the agenda and it sends the alert to ask for agenda updates. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and yeah, then it they, sounds they like... fill that out and then you come back. And so it's just another way to kind of yeah, get another way to engage before. Yeah. I think the themes here are don't just go blindly into meetings. Do something before or day of to kind of get... And just a pure reminder, if there's substance in the reminder, it's even more of a hook. Like, are there others you should be on it? Do I have the agenda right? This type of thing. Now let's go into intent data. You're a person that looks at a lot of the tech stacks, a lot of the beyond sales development. Who's really taking us to AIML? Let's talk about intent data first. I know Vambora is a really big source of that. They've got integrations now with Outreach. Are they integrated with SalesLoft too? Not with, so we use SalesLoft over here, but I don't believe they have an integration with SalesLoft yet. Are you using intent data now? So not yet, actually, currently. Now, like I've looked at G2 Crowd in, in Bombora, and that's definitely going to be one of the next future ones we'll be jumping into pretty soon. We just launched account-based marketing uh, platform called Metadata as yep. well, just to go and push out different account-based ads towards various accounts that we're going after. But like as far as like right now, our data stack, like we've got Clearbit, ZoomInfo, DataFox, LeadIQ, and Metadata for the ABM side, but we don't have intent data yet. Yeah, Metadata is a good company. Yeah, I've, I've uh, been a fan of theirs. But you want to use Mambora. Why? If you just tell the audience, like, how would you use it? What's the use case? Because I, li- I think a lot so, of people hear intent data or, dem- you know, technographic data, like HD data, HD insights, but it's like, why? What yeah. do I do with it? So the way, like, the way that I plan to use it and want to use it for is, so since we're growing, we got a lot more reps on the team and people are going to be owning, like, more narrowed down accounts. They'll be able to get alerts for different words people are like maybe researching or tools that they're researching in the market for. Now for us, a lot of that can be narrowed down based on like keywords. So we've got a really good director of content marketing that like one can give us various different keywords that get really high search volume. And then two, of course, like we know our products, we know our tools and what typically the main topics are that people might be researching where they could have a fit for us or maybe they 
might have a lot of different people on the team going and looking at tools and are in the market right there. So that's, that's the main way that I would use it for, for sure. And then just to know like, Hey, is this an account that like is really like something that we should be spending our time on or not really just to make the most effective use of the reps time. It's so niche, right? Would someone really be Google searching improve my calendaring or would be something that's a proxy? They're like, they're looking for retention or like what's the search term that surges for someone with the pain that, Chili Piper solves. This is my thing about, I want to get to, so my themes for this show are really, I say it a lot, utility, ideation, and vision. So we've already given some tips that like an XDR can take away, but there's a lot of people here evaluating platforms and someone like you can help them understand why. So if they're in a niche and it's not obvious, like the awesome Cloudera examples, like searching for Hadoop, that's like searches for Hadoop. Mm-hmm. But what about calendaring? What would be the proxy? So since we sell four tools now, it's, it's, there's kind of like a small combination of them, but what we found to be like the, one of the biggest ones so for our inbound tool, um, inbound lead conversion, if they're trying to search for ways of like how to convert more traffic on their website, our inbound concierge tool speaks perfectly to that. Lead routing is definitely a big component of it too. Cause if you go and schedule meetings, you have to make sure it goes to the right rep. And that includes a whole bunch of different factors, especially if it's a really big team. Now, also, we did re- recently launch an events meeting automation platform product. So that one, if they're going and searching how to like pre-book meetings in advance of conferences, or if they're attending a lot of different conferences, we do, we would use it in that case as well to like know, okay, hey, these are, co- these are companies that are sponsoring the events or like researching how to pre-book meetings in advance. That way we could know, okay, this is probably somebody who we'd go and reach out to. What's next on the roadmap? Can you divulge any of that? As far as what we've got coming up, yeah, I mean, like, I'm happy to do that. We've, like, primarily, the main focus, like, of course, has been, like, around scheduling. And we really serve the mid-market enterprise use case super well. So we do have a freemium component of that for our concierge inbound products and, like, a more trimmed-down scheduling tool where we're going to have, like, basically, I think the easiest way to put it is it's going to have, like, team-based settings versus, like, individual settings for scheduling. So we're going to have that for a freemium model coming out in the next few months. So that's that's one of the biggest things I'm excited about. What do you read? Like, how did you become good at RevOps or revenue operations? Are you in some of these secret Slack channels or private groups? Who are you following? Can you help people who are SDRs, who are teetering on the side of operations? Where do they go? How do they become more like you in a sense? I think the way I even like got into, say, operations in, in the first place. So like a lot... There's a book that I read a while back when I was over at Marketo called Getting Things Done. And it talks about doing like a weekly review for, okay, looking back, basically like what could you have basically done better or like roadblocks or things that you can maybe automate or like basically just cut out and not waste your time on. So I always like try to have a process for like optimizing like little things to make my, based on my workflow a whole lot faster. So one, like reading books like that, just to make sure you obviously optimize productivity Two, definitely making sure you have like, like some type of mentors or group that you can crowdsource knowledge with. Uh, like there's a group that I'm with a Slack group called Wizard of Ops and I'm in there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like an imposter right now because there's yeah. smart people. So I'm, I'm always in there asking questions because there's a million different topics you could cover under RevOps. Like so many things, like I've had to just go in and really get my hands dirty and learn that I go in, maybe not having a clue of doing, but I can go and ask somebody who's really smart who's done it before and basically crowdsource the knowledge and learn it a lot faster than I would trying to figure it out on my own. And also like one of my 
friends, like the guy who runs it in there, Brad Smith, like he, he gave me his Salesforce credentials access. It was certified on demand. So like really learning how Salesforce works, even though like it might seem like a boatload of stuff to learn. It's if you learn how to like manipulate it and automate processes for the sales team, I think it's super, super valuable. That's awesome. Yep. I'm following those breadcrumbs as well. What's the future of sales development? Do we replace SDRs and by when and what elements? People have said 70% of what they do now can be, could be automated by a machine. That doesn't mean that those solutions exist or they're not clunky and they talk to each other. This is like a big caveat, 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 but your personal <laughs> belief, if you're willing to share it, 2025, yeah. like will be some bold product only startups that just throw in enough automation that they don't even need to hire SDRs or outsourced SDRs? Like this is really the beyond factor. So I think for depending on the company, it's going to depend on like the market to an extent that they sell into. As far as like replacing them, not necessarily like the human touch, of course, but I think it's going to make everybody like way, way more effective. You're not going to need as significant amount of headcount depending on where you go in and automate different tasks for the rep. Like in my eyes, I would see automating like different tasks that the rep has to take care of, like mostly like manual tasks, like updating just various Salesforce related CRM updates. Sales reps also need to know how to like forecast more effectively and like put their pipeline in the right stages of where they should be. I think that's like some of the key things. And then also just from the orchestration component of it, where it's going to be like in terms of like the future is where I would say is besides just like the like sales engagement platforms have been built out today. I think it's going to be built in to also handle inbound because you basically have the inbound wave that came with like Marketo, Pardot, HubSpot. And now you have the outbound wave that came with SalesOpt and Outreach. And I would see eventually like they're going to want to have like one full kind of suite out of them, sort of like how Salesforce has evolved and acquired just everybody under the sun to have those buckets. They're going to have more big mammoths like Salesforce come into play like that, but you're going to see more innovative products like developing specifically to automate the sales people's tasks for that. You have marketing clouds and you do have sales clouds. You do have a Salesforce sales cloud right now with high velocity sales, their HBS solution. Can there really be 500 sales stack vendors, you know, and 75 sequencers or sales engagement platforms? No. So I think 2021 <laughs> yeah. next year is going to be M&A popcorn. I think we're going to see, yeah, it's exciting. Definitely. You know, we're seeing outreach raise. We're seeing inside sales.com pivot to Zant. We just see Groove just raised. I'm excited about where this is going. But when I speak to a technical person like you, I ask, what needs to be built? You know, what are you not satisfied with? What's the tool you need? I asked this of Mary Lou Tyler. She said, it's a follow-up engine, something that just does the follow-ups because that's where the fallout is. I've pinpointed referral is hard, nailing a warm referral, programmatizing that, making the ghost right turnkey. You know, I want to get to your CEO and rather than just ask you to refer me, I research him, how it would fit, write you a template and then you forward it across this is the LinkedIn model for team link. And, you know, when your CEO is getting 250 emails a day, maybe he'll have a personalized one that pops out. But when he's getting a thousand a day, he just like shut off his email. But if he gets a referral, maybe he'll still look. So yeah, where would you go with that one? Yeah, I mean, I think like where I would want it to go, like just maybe I'd probably think look at this from like my experience as a sales rep and what takes up the most amount of time from my experience. And then also what I would think as our team grows is going to just spend a lot of their time. One, just like the research component of it, I think. So some other things that we've taken into currently, like we'll use people on Fiverr and Upwork and various sources to go and do that for them. 
but I think more sources will like help mesh that into the CRM for the teams, depending on like what data sources and points they want to get out of it. That like sort of, for example, you got to go and scrape websites that current data vendors can't do. So I think that would be super helpful for sales reps, depending on like the data points that they want to get out of the tools and just eliminate a lot of the research time. Now also like when I was doing sales here for a little while as an account executive, the follow-up component, that's also something I would totally agree with where you got to go and update a lot of different components in the CRM and updating the notes piece of it is obviously a huge pain because you obviously want to make sure you know what you had kept track of with your conversations. And we do use like sales office conversation intelligence, which is helpful to go and re-reference it. But just the amount of extra steps that the AE has to take to just document everything, just something like that can kind of capture those data points that you want from the conversation and then throw it into fields in the CRM. I could see that being super helpful. Very interesting. Where are you using phone, video, and text right now within your philosophy of how to approach a cadence? So the way I think that we have the phone, video, and cadence, so we tried doing video, I'd say with from the SDR side of it, for like, for example, we'll go on somebody's website and like kind of chat through the process of like, here's what they're doing today with their web forms and here's what our tool can do to help them out with converting inbound leads. And we found that for like the return on that versus like just doing email and call volume seemed to slow down a little bit compared to like just throwing in those video steps because you obviously have to go manually make all the videos and go on the website and do that. So the video, I'd say more is primarily like laid in with the AE team. Like if they're doing follow-ups or like need to just recap a conversation and say, here's how we did this and what we discussed. That's where they're primarily using video. And then on the phones, of course, like we'll intermesh it between like email and phone steps in the email in the cadences a lot of the like initial touch points with our cadences like they'll have gifts that are we've started going and trying to get a guy on fiber or we'll have a list of all these websites and then he goes to the request demo website and then he fills our he fills out basically their form he doesn't submit it but he shows like our concierge pop-up on their website so it looks like we sort of like made a custom gif for them so that's worked really well and then the phone piece of it of course we'll just trickle that in after different emails. So usually we'll do like an email and then a phone. And then we'll also have like a LinkedIn message. And we don't really use the LinkedIn sales navigator in mails since you obviously have two different inboxes. I've just found it to be like a, a waste of time because nobody checks their LinkedIn sales navigator inbox, at least in my experience. So they'll go and do like one-off LinkedIn messages as well. Those Fiverr custom GIFs, do you embed them in the sequence? So I haven't found a way to automate that piece of it. So they like typically like we'll have the the file that they can go and download and then they just insert that file into the sequence one off. So just like from my current experience, I just haven't automated that so far. If there's like a tool out there that could do that, it'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> my, <laughs> At some hint, point. my hint is you have to take um, an image or GIF and turn it into a mini website using... yeah a Google file so you convert it into a microsite and then you take a CSV of each URL and then you inject the URL and the custom fields on the back end of SalesLoft and then you drop them per you just make it like a custom 2 or a custom 20 and then it points at a website and then it renders for email and so as you send 100 emails it renders 100 different sites which are your GIFs hosted in the cloud from a custom URL. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like a lived ops. Yeah, <laughs> I would pick up on it if you showed me. 
But I know like an you just example need them to be like, hosted. Is if they're hosted sites, if each GIF is living as a site, you can just take the URLs and inject the URLs into custom fields within the sequence. Yeah, because I know like so drifts. I've seen like because I'll watch a lot of uh, like sales hacker. I'll, I'll read a bunch of different like books and sales podcasts and stuff, and I've seen stuff like on drift. They do. There's some blog that I read where they do something like that. It's like they'll have the drift bot look on their person's website. And they can kind of almost, even on their website, you can interact with it as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really into this stuff. I wanted this show to get really tactical and really into the weeds. Because I actually assume that the listeners have pretty robust tech stacks and are really interested in like how to do this. Can you talk about marketing attribution? Last topic. Which means the full funnel. You used to work at Marketo, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, did I so, do the sales development over there? It was Phil Fernandez wrote a book. Wasn't he the co-founder or CEO? Yeah. Was he the CEO? I, he wrote he a was book. the CEO. What was his book? Yeah. Full Funnel Marketing, I think it was? Yeah, I or, believe that was it. I could look it up, but I loved it because basically Demand Gen now, there's this company called Lean Data, and you can see a subway map. You can see this lead came in at this conference over this virtual event, did these two webinars, downloaded this piece of content, and you can map the entire attribution all the way through from the marketing interactions to the sales interaction, the marketing, if you will, how are you getting that map? So you have a full understanding or are the silos? Okay. So right now, since we're still relatively small right now, we've got about 47 employees. We haven't like dug too heavily deep in like multi-touch attribution models and all that. We just got HubSpot launched about, it was at the very beginning of December. Mm-hmm. So that's like, Still growing the marketing team for us on our side. We didn't even have a big marketing team until around November when our CMO came in. And now we have seven people on the marketing team. But as far as like my experience in like talking with friends and ops, Visible is definitely one that I've heard a lot of good reviews reviews on. Just exactly like what you said is even if it's like a offline touch point or even wherever they come from, if it's paid or organic or whichever source they end up coming through, you can go and see which ones are really affecting them to convert across the funnel. And then of course, as you get more and more data over time, you can see which points of it you should spend more time on for the, like your focus in the marketing funnel. So I know visible and then I know lean data has one, like you said, I'm just not super familiar with that one currently. Got it. So Phil Fernandez was the CEO of Marketo and uh, Mm -hmm. his book is revenue disruption. So that's a cool one to read. I'm trying to kind of start a book club across this thing too. Advice yeah. for Audible <laughs> subscription. <laughs> I do. So this podcast is going to be up, I think on YouTube and Spreaker and a couple things. And it's being hosted by 10 bound Dave Delaney, which is exciting. Tell me about SDRs wanting to get in revenue operations. And is it just about asking the questions? That's how I've been getting into it. I've been asking that. How would I do dynamic, you know, visual prospecting and have every email change. I don't know, go into WizOps, post the question. Yeah. Or modern sales pro and go into the email listserv and just ask a question and just get bombarded with <laughs> technical responses. Is is that is this your curiosity? Because you're an AE. Now you're running revenue operations at like this hot startup. So is it just your persistence to go get the answers? I mean, how did how did you do it? Yeah, I'd say like so one, it's like a matter of things that got to be built for the business and you got to figure it out. So like if, if you're interested in that side of it, you should go and ask people that who have probably done it more before you, where you're just going to be learning. It's going to be greenfield for you. So go and ask people that have done it. So you don't, I'd say like an easy way to think of it would be like technical debt with 
going and building things where you build it and then it breaks. <laughs> you have to go back and rebuild it. So one, like going and joining all those different groups, like modern sales pros, wizard of ops and so on. And like seeking out the people that have done it well in those channels that you want to learn from Two, Like if you've got other like business products or ideas that you can like bring to the table, like for example, like if we have like an SDR team lead, you should give them like projects to help basically like better the sales development team. So if they're interested in ops or like if they're more interested in maybe like account management or CS stuff, let them like go into that route and bring these ideas to the table. Other things for ops too, I'd say like a lot of it, honestly, for me, just like learning it here is you, you really just got to have like curiosity to go and figure out and like get really, I'd say like almost like going down a rabbit hole in a lot of these things. Cause you really got to like figure out how data works, how it feeds everything, how to make sure like, you know, you can go and mass update different fields inside of Salesforce real easily without breaking things. <laughs> and then also basically just like learning how all the, really how all the tools connect to each other from the top of the phone for marketing all the way down to like the attribution component and being able to report on it inside of Salesforce. Cause that in, its, in and of itself, reporting could be a full-time job if you have been a big enough company. Totally. Well, thank you for spending time with me today. And uh, where can people find you? Or, you know, this is the shameless plug part, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Chilipiper.com, right? Yeah, go on Chilipiper.com and you can book a demo right on our website. So, And how um, do people find you? It's uh, Scott Haney, H-A-N-E-Y. And yeah. anything else you want to share? Books, blogs? Yeah, you, you everybody's on? welcome to hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm usually on there pretty often. Perfect. Yeah, feel free to reach out there and then uh, come check out our site and see what we can do to help you out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being on this show, Scott. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you.